Jeez, Lois, look at the garbage those damn leafers dumped on our lawn. New York Post, New York Magazine, the New York Mets. Ah, yes. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of MLB Morning Coffee from the Ocean Avenue Studios here in San Francisco. My name is Greg Mraz. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of our show. Want to remind you to write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. They help out our metrics tremendously. I encourage you to do so. It does not take that long. The more we get, the more notoriety this show might get nationally because there are other people that do what we do, but they don't do it as well as we do it. Yes, that might sound a little bit cocky, but I don't really care. So I wanted to open today's show by discussing what the heck happened with Yoannis Cespedes yesterday. Now, I was out on the golf course during the morning, and I was not watching a lot of the baseball games live. And I'm getting texts from friends, many of whom which listen to this show, with all this Twitter news saying that Yoannis Cespedes is AWOL and is nowhere to be found, and that the Mets have no idea where he is, and that he just disappeared from his hotel room. Now, Yoannis Cespedes, through his agent, told the Mets that he was opting out of the season. What I want to know is why did you do it like this? Why on a road trip would you decide to just go AWOL, pack up your things, and leave? For me, Yoannis Cespedes has two stages of his career, pre-Mets and Mets. Because a lot of people were making jokes, and one of the reasons why I put that Family Guy clip at the beginning of this episode is that Yoannis Cespedes is living the dream by being able to opt out of Mets baseball. Now, we don't necessarily know why Cespedes decided to do this when he did this, and just knowing how Cespedes has acted since becoming a part of the New York Mets, we probably are not going to have any idea why he decided to do this now. But you have to respect him for opting out. It just is bad optics that he did it on a road trip and just decided to leave his team without telling anybody. A lot of people are going to make a big issue about this. I don't want to make a big issue about it. I think it's just a weird thing that you probably can expect only from Yoannis Cespedes. I think, though, for the New York Mets, playing in the National League East and playing in cities like Atlanta, Miami, Tampa Bay that have been hot spots, that you're probably concerned about your health. Now, Yoannis Cespedes is not the player he used to be, and I don't know if he's ever going to be the type of player you can rely upon to be a middle-of-the-lineup stud again. I just hope for Yoannis Cespedes' sake, that there was another reason why he decided to dramatically opt out instead of, as people are saying, Yoannis being Yoannis. Now, one more item that I want to get to before I talk about the COVID news is John Heyman put out one of the most disrespectful tweets that I've ever seen toward a player yesterday. So John Heyman is a national reporter for MLB Network. He also does some work with the Intercom Radio Group. And he puts out a tweet that says, Jed Lowry, comma, the Cal Ripken of IL stints is moved to the 45-day IL. 
Now that is really snarky, and it's not nice to Lowry, who has battled health problems since coming to the Mets two years ago. People were all over Heyman for this tweet, because where does he have the right to just go after a player like that? John Heyman is not a Major League Baseball player. John Heyman is a reporter who has no leg to stand on when it comes to the health of a Major League Baseball player. Jed Lowry was a damn productive player for a long time. So John Heyman can go shove it. And John Heyman, when people were picking on him for his insensitive tweet, decided to DM a reporter to go F himself. Now, when I'm looking at this, if I'm MLB Network, if I'm the Radio.com group, I have to seriously think about suspending John Heyman for a week or so. You just cannot go tell people on Twitter to go F themselves. This guy was questioning the credibility of John Heyman as a reporter, which, you know what, sometimes in the Twitter sphere, that's called for or that's uncalled for. And you're probably listening to me saying, Greg, you're the guy that attacks Bob Nightingale all the time. Well, you know what, if Bob Nightingale had a problem with what I was saying, I would expect him to reach out and talk to me about it. But I would not expect Bob Nightingale to send me a tweet telling me to go F myself. For John Heyman to do that, and I believe it was another reporter he was talking to, I'm not necessarily sure, but for him to do that is a 1,000% uncalled for, and he should be reprimanded. So, John Heyman, my fellow Northwestern alumnus, shame on you for what you said about Jed Lowry, and shame on you for telling somebody on Twitter to go F themselves. Because you know what, John Heyman? You have no right to make the comment that you did about Jed Lowry, and I'll just leave it at that. Now, the other news coming out is that the Cardinals have more positive tests. The Cardinals are supposed to play a four-game series in Detroit starting on Tuesday. I don't think that's going to happen. The Cardinals are going to end up in the same territory as the Miami Marlins at this point. Now, the Marlins apparently have a brand new roster of players that are going to be going to Baltimore to play on Tuesday. It sounds like the Marlins are ready to play the season again. So the Marlins have effectively replaced their entire team. The Phillies are going to go play the Yankees starting on Tuesday, so it looks like the Phillies are already back to normal. In any event, this whole thing is teetering on the brink of collapse, and while it looks like the NL East and the AL East are trending toward playability, The NL Central and the AL Central are basically teetering on whatever the Cardinals do. Now, the Brewers are going to go play the White Sox, and the Brewers have no COVID issues whatsoever because they didn't play against the Cardinals. They had no contact with the Cardinals. The Cardinals playing against the Tigers, I'm not so sure that that's going to happen. But how does this affect the National League and the American League Central? How does the schedule get adjusted now? And remember, there are a lot of games between the Phillies, the Marlins, the Nationals, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Orioles that all have to get made up. This schedule is going to change on the fly. And if Major League Baseball has no further issues, I think that they'll be okay. It just depends on how bad does it get with the Cardinals and does it affect anybody else in the central divisions. So far, it looks like my worries about the Indians and the Twins are not coming to light. Everybody there seems like they're fine. But we shall see. 
Okay, we've gotten through all of that. Now let's get to baseball. We'll start in Chicago where the Cubs are off to a fantastic start and they got their first taste of a walk-off winner against the Pirates. Uh, you see Stalin setting up off the corner and that's going to do it. Javi Baez with a base hit. Bodie scores. Cubs win. Cubs win 2-1 the final in 11. Walk-off single for Javier Baez in the 11th inning as the Cubs beat the Pirates 2-1. is the Cubs' record. Pirates are 2-7. Scoring was pretty simple in this game. Kevin Newman hit a solo homer in the top of the first inning to make it 1-0 Pirates. Kyle Schwarber tied the game with an RBI double in the bottom of the fifth. And then neither team had a run until Baez is single in the bottom of the 11th. One run on six hits for the Pirates, two runs on just four hits for the Cubs. Winning pitcher was Jeremy Jeffress. He pitched a perfect 11th inning. He retired all three batters he faced. Cody Ponce took the loss. He recorded one out, allowed one run on one hit. It was unearned, no walks and no strikeouts. John Lester got the start for the Cubs. He went six innings, allowed one run on four hits, one walk and four strikeouts. Steven Brault got the start for Pittsburgh. He went three hitless innings, didn't give up a run, no walks, and four strikeouts. Offensively for the Cubs, nobody had multiple hits. Single hits for Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras, and Kyle Schwarber. For Pittsburgh, Kevin Newman went two for four with his home run. He was the only Pirate with multiple hits in the ballgame. Our next stop is Kauffman Stadium for the White Sox and the Royals. The White Sox offense has come alive, and they put a big number up late in Kansas City. Get first base, he take that home too. Wait, to move into a new apartment so you have room. On the ground, up the middle from Madrigal, and it sneaks on through. Four for four, Nick Madrigal. Danny Mendick scores. That Nick Madrigal single capped a seven-run seventh inning as the White Sox pound the Royals 9-2. It was a 2-2 ball game going into the top of the seventh. Kansas City got a run in the bottom of the second on an Alex Gordon homer, his first. White Sox tied it in the top of the fourth inning on a Yasmani Grandal single. Then in the top of the fifth inning, Grandal drove home the go-ahead run on a bases-loaded walk. Royals tied the game, though, in the bottom of the fifth inning on a Nicky Lopez RBI double. Then in the top of the seventh inning, Jose Abreu had an RBI single, Yasmani Grandal with an RBI single, Nicky Delmonico with a two-RBI single. Then the White Sox scored two runs on a throwing error by pitcher Glenn Sparkman, and then Nick Madrigal came through with that RBI single that you heard on the highlight to make it 9-2. White Sox are back over 500. They are 5-4. Royals are 3-7. The winner is Dylan Cease. He gets his first win. He's 1-1. One one. Cease goes six innings, allows two runs on five hits, one walk, and four strikeouts. The loser, Scott Barlow, he goes one inning out of the bullpen, allows two runs on two hits, no walks, and one strikeout. Jake Junis got the start for Kansas City. He allowed two runs on six hits and four and a third, two walks, and two strikeouts. For the White Sox, Nick Madrigal goes four for five with two runs scored and an RBI. His first major league hit came in his first at bat. He got hits in each of his first four at bats. So congrats to the young man. Nicky Delmonico one for four with two RBI. Yasmani Grandal three for four with three RBI. Luis Robert one for four with a run scored and a walk. Edwin Encarnacion goes two for four. 
For Kansas City, the RBI came from Alex Gordon and Nicky Lopez. Salvador Perez was the only Royal that had multiple hits as he went two for four. The train just keeps on rolling for the Minnesota Twins up to target field for the Twins and the Indians. On the windup and the 3-2 pitch, a drive to left field and deep. Back it goes, deep it goes, and gone. There's number one for Garver. Oh, kind of a get-off-my-back home run for the Silver Slugger. And the Twins take a 2-0 lead. First homer of the year for Mitch Garver. Single run scored by the Twins in the first, second, and third innings. That's all they needed as they cruised to a 3-1 victory over the Indians at Target Field. Twins are 7-2. Indians are 5-5. Five five. Twins got the scoring started in the bottom of the first inning on a Jorge Polanco RBI single. Garver followed in the bottom of the second inning with that solo homer, and then in the bottom of the third, Nelson Cruz had an RBI single to make it 3 to nothing. Only run in the ballgame for the Indians was scored in the top of the fourth inning on an RBI single from Francisco Lindor. The winning pitcher, Devin Smeltzer, the Minnesota reliever, went two and two-thirds innings out of the bullpen in relief of starter Tyler Clippard. He allows one run on two hits, one walk, and two strikeouts. He is 1-0. The loser, Aaron Savali. Savali allows three runs on five hits in six innings. No walks. He did strike out nine twins. Indians pitching had 13 strikeouts in the ballgame. Sergio Romo got the save for Minnesota, his second of the year. Taylor Rogers got the day off after he had the save in each of the previous two nights. For Minnesota, offensively, Max Kepler goes two for four with two runs scored. Jorge Polanco, two for four with an RBI. Nelson Cruz, one for four with an RBI. Mitch Garver, one for three with his solo homer. For Cleveland, they had just two hits in the game. Francisco Lindor, one for four with an RBI. Cesar Hernandez, one for three with a run scored. Indians have just four hits combined over the last two ball games as they were held to just two hits in yesterday's game when they got shut out by the Twins, three to nothing. With the story of the day in Atlanta being Joanna Cespedes going AWOL, the time was ripe for the Braves to take advantage. We head to Atlanta for the Braves and the Mets. Fastball. That pitch that gives him a lot of troubles, that changeup. That ball's lifted toward left, pretty deep. Smith going back, still going back at the wall. It's gone. That's how you break out of a slump. Dominic Smith smiling. He thought he had a chance to leap and get it. Instead, it's a home run for Camargo, his first of the year. First homer of the year for Johan Camargo as the Braves shut out the Mets 4-0. Atlanta 7-3. New York is 3-7. Despite beating the Mets, Atlanta was out hit 10-7. New York was 1-15 with runners in scoring position, and they left 13 men on base. The winning pitcher for Atlanta was Tyler Matzik. He went two scoreless innings out of the Braves' bullpen in relief of Kyle Wright. Two hits allowed, no walks, and four strikeouts. David Peterson, the tough luck loser for New York, he goes six innings, allows three runs on five hits, one walk, and eight strikeouts. There was no save in the ball game. Atlanta scored two runs in the bottom of the third inning, one in the bottom of the fourth, and one in the bottom of the eighth. The runs in the bottom of the third came on a bases-loaded walk by Ronald Acuna and a Freddie Freeman RBI groundout. 
That call you just heard of Camargo's homer made it 3-0 in the fourth, and Freddie Freeman had an RBI single to make it 4-0 in the eighth. Offensively for Atlanta, the only multi-hit game was Adam Duvall. He goes 2-for-2 with a run scored and a walk. Austin Riley goes 1-for-3 with a run scored. Freddie Freeman 1-for-4 with two RBI. Ronald Acuna Jr. 1-for-3 with a run and an RBI. And Johan Camargo goes 1-for-3 with his solo homer. For the Mets, Jeff McNeil goes 3-for-5. And Ahmed Rosario is 2-for-4. Clayton Kershaw made his season debut for the Dodgers against Arizona on Sunday. And he was as good as ever of how well he spins that. Pinpoint to get Marte for a strikeout to open his season. Wow, and he makes quick work of Marte, showing him a little bit of everything. Let's another payoff fly. The eighth pitch of the at-bat gets Peralta swinging. A 2-2. And a strikeout of Ahmed. Here it is. He struck him out. 73 pitches, two outs. That'll help. That will to the bottom of the zone strike three Ahmed doesn't like it he's just the latest strikeout victim of Clayton Kershaw who's got six over five shutout innings Kershaw would finish with six strikeouts over five and two-thirds innings of shutout baseball he allowed just three hits as the Dodgers shut out the Diamondbacks three to nothing at Chase Field LA is seven and three Arizona is three and seven Kershaw won to know on the season the loser Merrill Kelly, he allows three runs on nine hits in six innings, no walks and four strikeouts. He is one and one. Kenley Jansen picks up his second save with a perfect ninth inning. He struck out two batters in the ball game. Dodgers got two runs in the top of the first inning on a Cody Bellinger two-run homer, and then Mookie Betts hit his second Dodgers homer in the top of the fifth inning to make it 3-0 L.A. That was all of the scoring in the ball game. For the Dodgers, Mookie Betts went 2-for-3 with his solo homer. Justin Turner went 2-for-4 with a run scored. Cody Bellinger 1-for-4 with his two-run homer. Nobody had multiple hits in the ballgame for Arizona. Single hits for Christian Walker, Starling Marte, Cole Calhoun, and Ildemaro Vargas. They played two in Detroit, and the Reds had double the fun against the Tigers. That ball in the air to left center field hit pretty well, and Castellanos plays long ball here in the opening inning for the Reds. So after a two-hour rain delay after being washed out last night, that's the way to get it going, Nick Castellanos. Uh, you want your team to get on top, and Castellanos, you could tell after he hit the ball, it sounded good, but hit a little, little hop at home plate. Nick Castellanos hits a two-run homer in the first game of the doubleheader as the Reds beat the Tigers 4-3 to in seven innings. Remember, all doubleheaders from here on out are seven-inning ball games just like the Miners. In the ballgame, Castellanos went two for four with three RBI and two runs scored. Tucker Barnhart went two for three in the ballgame for the Reds. Freddie Galvis went one for two with a run scored. Winning pitcher Rysel Iglesias, he goes an inning and a third of scoreless relief out of the Reds' bullpen. No walks, no hits, and two strikeouts. Jose Jimenez takes the loss for Detroit. He allows one run on three hits in one inning of work. To give you the play-by-play recap, Castellanos' two-run homer made it 2-0 Reds in the top of the first inning. 
In the top of the third, Castellanos homered again, his fourth of the year, to make it three to nothing. In the bottom of the sixth inning, Victor Reyes reached on a fielding error by Castellanos. Three runs scored on the play, and in the top of the seventh inning, the 3-3 game was untied by a Shogo Akiyama RBI single. Detroit could not do anything in the bottom of the seventh inning. We went over the offensive numbers for Cincinnati, for Detroit. Jaimer Candelario goes two for three. He is the only Tiger in the ballgame to have multiple RBI. Game two was a shutout victory for the Reds, four to nothing, as they held Detroit to just two hits. Matt Davidson got the party started in the top of the first inning with an RBI single. Aristides Aquino then had an RBI single in the top of the second inning. And in the top of the seventh inning, Christian Colon had a two-RBI single. Trevor Bauer went all seven innings to pick up his first win. He allowed two hits, walked two, and struck out seven. Daniel Norris took the loss for Detroit. He allowed two runs on four hits in an inning and two-thirds, two walks, and no strikeouts. Offensively for Cincinnati, Cologne goes two for four with two RBI and a run scored. Nick Senzel two for four with a run scored. Kyle Farmer ends up two for three on the ball game for the Reds. For Detroit, they had just two hits in this game. After the damage was done, the Reds are 4-5, and five, the Tigers are 5-5. Five and five. Another team off to a surprisingly good start is the Baltimore Orioles, and they, for as bad as their pitching was last year, have gotten great pitching early on in 2020. To Baltimore, for the Rays and the O's. 1-1 pitch, lined into right field, that'll get him in. Down into the corner, Alberto around second, he's got a double as Mullen scores and the Orioles go on top 2-1. to one. What a nice piece of hitting. Ben Alberto just roped it into right field. Here's the 2-2 to Nunez. Bounced up the middle into center field. Here comes the throw to the plate. It's up the line and the Orioles take a 3-1 lead as Alberto scores on the base hit. Glacius had a base hit and his only at bat. He rips that one down the left field line. That'll get a run in. Nunez can trot home. Iglesias hobbling just a little bit as he rounds first. You can see that quad injury. But he didn't have to run hard there. An RBI double for Jose Iglesias. What you heard right there was the entirety of the Orioles' three-run rally in the bottom of the seventh inning. That made the difference as they beat the Rays 5-1. to one. To recap, it was a Hanser Alberto double, a Renato Nunez single, and a Jose Iglesias double. Tampa Bay has fallen to four and six. They have lost four in a row. Baltimore is five and three. They sweep the series against the Rays. Scoring got started in the bottom of the third inning on a Renato Nunez homer, his second. Brandon Lau tied the game in the top of the sixth inning with his second homer of the season. Orioles added one more run on in the eighth inning on a Pat Vileka solo homer. That made it 5-1. to one. Vileka had the walk-off RBI hit in yesterday's ball game. Winning pitcher out of the bullpen, Evan Phillips, as he goes a scoreless inning out of the pen. No hits, no walks, and a strikeout. Jalen Beeks takes the loss for Tampa. He allows one run on two hits in an inning and two-thirds. Tommy Malone got the start for Baltimore. He allowed one run on six hits in five innings. No walks and eight strikeouts. Yoni Terenos the start for Tampa. He allowed one run on five hits in four and two-thirds innings. Two walks and three strikeouts. For Tampa, 
The only player that had multiple hits was Willie Adamas. He went two for three. For Baltimore, Hanser Alberto goes three for five with an RBI and a run scored. Renato Nunez, two for four with two RBI and two runs scored. Jose Iglesias, two for two with an RBI. Also have to add in an RBI from Pat Vileka, who went one for four with his solo homer. Yesterday, the Oakland A's got the majority of their offense on a two-run homer from Chad Pinder. And today, they got all of their offense on a home run from Ramon Laureano. Would it make the difference? We go to Seattle for the A's and the Mariners. Left field, deep. And that baby's gone. They're clicking now. Laureano with a three-run shot, and the A's lead it 3-1. to one. The homer from Laureano was indeed enough as the A's beat the Mariners 3-2 at T-Mobile Park in Seattle. Oakland is 5-4, Seattle is 4-6. Chris Bassett gets the win. He allows one run on three hits in five and two-thirds innings, no walks and seven strikeouts. Kendall Graveman takes the loss for Seattle. He is 0-2. He allows two runs on three hits in four and two-thirds innings, two walks and three strikeouts. Liam Hendricks picks up the save. He struck out the side in the ninth inning and left the tying run on base as he allowed one hit. Oakland got all three runs, as we said, on the three-run homer by Ramon Laureano. In the bottom of the first inning, Dan Vogelbach got the scoring started as he singled home Dylan Moore. Kyle Lewis made it a one-run ball game with his third homer of the year in the bottom of the eighth inning, but the Mariners could do no better than that. For the A's, nobody had multiple hits, and Shed Long was the only player for the Mariners that had multiple hits as he went two for three. Each team had just five hits in the ball game. We now take you to San Francisco for the Texas Rangers and the San Francisco Giants, and the Rangers finally broke through against San Francisco's pitching. This ball crushed out to right field, deepest part of the park. It carries well. It's gone! Right over the 415 marker in Triples Alley, and Gallo chose the biggest part of the park to hit it out. That Joey Gallo three-run homer was an absolute missile, part of a four-run top of the seventh inning that turned a 5-5 tie into a 9-5 lead, and that was the final. We'll go through the highlights for you here. Scott Heineman got the Rangers on the board in the top of the second inning with a two-RBI double. Jeff Mathis then followed with an RBI single to make it 3 to nothing. Evan Longoria hit a sack fly to center to make it 3-1 to on the bottom of the second. Sinshu Chu hit a two-run homer in the top of the fifth inning to make it 5-1. Giants then started to come back. Mike Yastrzemski and RBI ground out bottom five to make it 5-2 Texas. Then Evan Longoria hits a solo homer, followed by a Chadwick Tromp two-run homer to make it 5-5. In the top of the seventh inning, Willie Calhoun hit a sacrifice fly, and the homer you just heard, Joey Gallows, made it 9-5. The winner for Texas was Jonathan Hernandez. He went two scoreless innings out of the bullpen, did not allow a hit, one walk and four strikeouts. Andrew Triggs takes the loss for San Francisco. He does not allow a hit, but in a third of an inning, he allows three runs on three walks, no strikeouts. Texas is 3-5 and five on the season. Giants are 5-5. Five and five. Going over some of the offensive numbers, Joey Gallo, 3-for-4 with 3 RBI and 2 runs scored. Scott Heineman, 2-for-5 with 2 RBI and a run scored. Sin Su Chu with his 2-run homer, 
had two RBI, went one for four, and scored two runs. For the Giants, Donovan Solano continues to mash. He went two for two with two walks and a run scored. Chadwick Tromp, one for four with his two-run homer. Evan Longoria goes one for three with two RBI and a run scored. Colorado's offense is kicking it into high gear at Coors Field. They battled the Padres on Sunday afternoon, and their big bats came out to play. Matt hits a high fly ball to deep left field, way back and gone. Matt Kemp strikes again. And the Rockies extend their lead to three to nothing. Second straight game with a homer for Matt Kemp, one of three homers for the Rockies on the afternoon as they outslug the Padres 9-6. Colorado is 6-2, while San Diego is 6-4. Antonio Senzatella picks up the win. He is 2-0. Senzatella goes six innings, allows one run on four hits, one walk, and six strikeouts. Zach Davies takes the loss. He is 1-1. He allows three runs on four hits in five innings, one walk, and two strikeouts. Colorado had 12 hits, nine runs total. San Diego, six runs, ten hits total. Rockies scored one in the second inning on a Daniel Murphy home run, his first of the year. Then two in the fourth on the Matt Kemp two-run homer. Padres scored one in the sixth inning, but Colorado came back with two in the bottom of the sixth inning thanks to a Ryan McMahon two-run homer, his first of the year. For Colorado offensively, Charlie Blackman goes two for four with two RBI and a run scored. Daniel Murphy had a great day as he goes four for four with two runs scored and two RBI. Ryan McMahon, one for four with the two-run homer and two-run scored. Matt Kemp, two for four with the two-run homer and one run scored. For San Diego, Manny Machado goes two for five with two RBI and a run scored. He had an RBI double. Jake Cronenworth goes one for two with a run scored and a triple. Tommy Pham, two for three with a run scored. Will Myers, two for four with three RBI. We now go to Anaheim, where extras once again were the deciding factor between the Astros and the Angels. Now we've got another one in extra innings. Bregman towards the middle in the center field. Base hit. Here comes Springer. Astros take the lead 6-5 in the 11th. That single made all the difference as the Astros edged the Angels 6-5 at Angel Stadium in Anaheim. Astros are 5-4. Angels are 3-7. This was a wild ball game. Astros scored two in the top of the second inning, both on bases-loaded walks. Angels then scored four in the bottom of the third inning on an Albert Pujols grand slam. In the top of the seventh, Alex Bregman cut the lead to one with a home run, his second of the year, and then Josh Reddick tied the game in the top of the ninth inning on an RBI single. In the top of the tenth, Garrett Stubbs had a sack fly to give Houston a 5-4 lead, but then in the bottom of the tenth inning, Michael Hermosillo would single to tie the game at five. In the top of the 11th, you heard that single from Alex Bregman to make it a 6-5 game. Here's how the bottom of the 11th went, and I don't know how this played out, but this is what the game tracker says. Matt Theis was the runner on second base to start. He was the tying run. David Fletcher grounded out. Theis moved to third, so you have the tying run at third with one out. Luis Renifo struck out swinging. Now, this is what's really interesting. You have two out, a runner on third, nobody else is on base. The runner on third is the tying run. 
Blake Taylor intentionally walks Anthony Rendon, and then although it is not classified as an intentional walk, Michael Hermosillo walks, and the bases are loaded. Brian Goodwin then flies out to center field to end the ball game, but for the life of me, I mean, I like Dusty Baker a lot, but why would you intentionally walk the winning run on base? That makes no sense to me. Unless there was a runner at second to where you could get a force at every base, it makes no sense. If your play is going to be to first, have the play be to first. I do not know why it would matter if there was a force at first or second. I mean, there's no force at first, but why would a force at second matter? Any ground ball in the infield, your play is going to be to go to first. Your focus is on first base. But anyways, that is what it is, and we'll just leave it at that. Winning pitcher Blake Taylor, inning and a third out of the Astros' bullpen. He allows two walks, but he also strikes out two. He does not allow a hit. Both of those walks, by the way, coming in that sequence we just mentioned. Jacob Barnes takes the loss. He allows two unearned runs in two innings of work, one hit, no walks, and two strikeouts. Both runs he allowed were the runners that were placed on second base. Josh James got the start for Houston. He allowed four runs in three innings on just one hit. He walked six, struck out four. Framber Valdez came in and pitched six and a third innings out of the bullpen, allowed one unearned run on five hits, one walk, and eight strikeouts. The Astros' pitching line is insane. They walked 11 guys, but they struck out 14. For the Angels, Shohei Otani did not have a very good second start. He walked five guys, did not allow a hit in an inning and two-thirds. Two runs allowed. He did strike out three guys. So Shohei Otani may not be quite right as he returns from Tommy John. For the Angels, Pujols went one for four with a grand slam. He had four of the five RBI. Michael Hermosillo one for one with the other RBI. No other Angel had any RBI. No Angel had multiple hits. For the Astros, Bregman goes two for six with two RBI and a run scored. Michael Brantley goes three for five with a run scored. No other Astro had multiple hits in the ballgame. Aaron Judge has hit homers in four straight games. He looked to make it five against Boston on Sunday Night Baseball, our final game of the day. Warning, you're about to get Matt Vaskersioned. My apologies to the listeners. I wish that I had a John Sterling call or a Michael Kay call to put in there, but sadly, that's what you get. Aaron Judge hits two home runs. He has hit a home run in five straight games. The Yankees go on to beat the Red Sox 9-7. New York is 7-1 to start the season. Boston is 3-7. Adam Adovino gets the win. He goes an inning and a third out of the bullpen. One hit, no runs, one walk, and two strikeouts. Matt Barnes takes the loss as he goes one inning, allows three runs on two hits, one walk, and one strikeout.
This was a back-and-forth game, to say the least. Red Sox scored two in the top of the first inning on a Xander Bogarts two-run homer. Then Aaron Judge hit a three-run homer in the bottom of the second inning, his fifth of the year, to make it 3-2 Yankees. Raphael Devers tied the game at three with an RBI single in the top of the third inning. Then Xander Bogarts singled home the go-ahead run to make it 4-3 in that same inning. Christian Vasquez added some insurance as he singled home Bogarts to make it 5-3. In the bottom of the third inning, the Yankees tied the ball game. Gary Sanchez had an RBI double, and Gio Urshela followed with an RBI double to tie the game at 5. Bogarts hit his second homer of the game for Boston in the top of the fifth inning to make it 6-5, but Luke Voigt tied the game in the bottom of the fifth inning with his third homer of the year, equaling the score at 6-6. Raphael Devers broke the tie with his first homer of the year in the top of the seventh inning, 7-6 Boston. In the bottom of the eighth, DJ LeMayhew tied the game with a single, and then Aaron Judge hit a two-run homer to make it a 9-7 game. Judge leads the league with six home runs. On the day, he was two for four with five RBI and two runs scored. Judge has 14 RBI so far on the season. Gio Urshela goes three for four with an RBI as well. DJ LeMahieu, two for four with two runs scored. For Boston, the star of the show was Xander Bogarts. He goes four for four with two home runs, three RBI and three runs scored. Raphael Devers, two for five with two RBI and two runs scored. That was the extent of the offense for Boston. That was your recap for Sunday, August 2nd, 2020. Now let's look at today's ball games. A very light schedule for today. Just nine games are scheduled. The 5-5 five five Indians will play the 4-5 Reds. 6.40 Eastern time start. Zach Plesak for Cleveland against Sonny Gray for Cincinnati. Plesak, no record. He went eight innings of shutout baseball in his first start against the White Sox. Sonny Gray is 2-0 with a .71 ERA. Hey, the Phillies are back in action. The 1-2 Phillies take on the 7-1 Yankees at Yankee Stadium, 7.05 Eastern. Jake Arrieta makes his season debut for the Phillies. Garrett Cole goes for the Yankees. Cole is 2-0 with a 3.09 ERA. 7-10 Eastern start in Atlanta, the 3-7 Mets against the 7-3 Braves. Jacob deGrom against Mike Soroka. deGrom no record, a 1-6-4 ERA. Soroka no record, a 1-5-9 ERA. 7-10 Central time, the 2-7 Pirates go up to Minnesota to face the 7-2 Twins. Derek Holland gets the start for Pittsburgh. No record of 318 ERA. Lewis Thorpe gets the start for Minnesota. He has no record and no earned run average. 7-10 Central Time in Milwaukee. It'll be the 5-4 White Sox against the 3-3 Brewers. Brewers had the weekend off due to the Cardinals' COVID-19 situation. Carlos Rodon gets the start for the White Sox 0-1 with a 12-27 earned run average. Brett Anderson goes for Milwaukee. He'll be making his first start of the season. 7-15 Central Time, 3-7 Royals against the 7-2 Cubs. Danny Duffy goes for Kansas City 0-1 with a 5-7-9 ERA. Alec Mills for Chicago 1-0 with a 3-flat ERA. 6-40 Mountain Time start in Colorado. 5-5 Giants against the 6-2 Rockies. Chi-Chi Gonzalez makes his season debut for Colorado. Giants have not announced their starter yet. More than likely, it'll be Johnny Cueto. 
6-10 Pacific time in Seattle. 5-4 A's against the 4-6 Mariners. Frankie Montas goes for Oakland 0-1 with a 3-flat ERA. Justice Sheffield for Seattle 0-1 with an ERA of 12. Final game of the night, 6-10 start in San Diego. 7-3 Dodgers against the 6-4 Padres. Walker Bueller goes for L.A., no record of 4-9-1 ERA. Chris Paddock for San Diego. He is 1-0 with a 1-6-4 ERA. That is your schedule for today, and that is it for this edition of MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. Have a great day, everybody. We will catch you tomorrow a.m.